Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Good to see you guys. Before I do anything, I have to let you guys know I'm so excited because today my mom is here. My mom is here. My two aunts are here as well. I haven't gotten to see my aunts in a couple years. I haven't gotten to see my mom since last year, so it's just been an awesome time having you guys. Glad to have you. Love you guys. Um, uh, really quickly, an announcement that Dylan didn't make um, that um, I want everyone to know um, if there are any youth in the room. Pastor Jason and Desiree aren't here today, so there is no youth, but normally they're here and they're up there and they, they take the youth and they do a, a youth service uh, geared towards teenagers. And so um, if you have youth today, they got to be in with us, but going forward, um, they can be up with, with Pastor Jason and Desiree. They would love to have them. So... Um, we have been in this series, Least, Last, Lowest, and um, it's been all about servanthood, all about serving and servanthood. And at the, the beginning of the series, back in August, I, I made the statement um, that there are over 1,200 references to serving, service, or servanthood in Scripture, 1,200 and, and as we've seen throughout this series, um, the Bible has some things to say about serving and the role it plays in the life of a disciple of Jesus. And today we're concluding this series, and the title of my message is Called to Serve the Lost. Called to Serve the Lost. Uh, but before we jump into the scriptures, I wanted to share a little story with you. So in uh, 2017, I went on a short-term missions trip to the city of Kunming in the Yunnan province in China. And um, it was wild. It was like a different planet. It was so different culturally, right? Um, so our flight left Omaha, Nebraska at 6 a.m., and we went to Detroit. And in D Detroit, uh, International Airport, we got on this gigantic plane, and we traveled 14 hours north until we got to the North Pole, and then we started going south down through Russia when we landed in Beijing, China. And again, wild. It was like a different planet. It was so, so different culturally. And part of our trip was um, spending time with the missionary learning about the cultural differences between China and America so that we could be prepared for the, the work that we were doing. And I remember one night the missionary was walking us through the city and he was just showing us different things and uh, letting us interact with different kinds of people and that kind of thing. And I remember at one point I looked at my watch and it was like midnight. And this is a city of like 10 million people, okay? This, this is a true story. 10 million people were walking around, it's midnight. And in my American mind, I'm like, oh gosh, we should probably leave because like go back to our hotel because we could get mugged or robbed or, you know, what? like we don't want to be in a big city walking around, you know, we're tourists, like people are going to, people are going to eat us up, right? And so I, I said something like that to the, to the missionary. I said, isn't it dangerous for us to be walking around this time of night in a big city? And he looked at me and he said, Ryan, you will never be more safe walking the streets of a major city than you are right now. And I was like, really confused, like, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, why? Explain this to me. And he said, he began to tell us how, as, as a young child in China, it's ingrained in you that you do anything you can to make China look good to the outside world. Anything you can do to make China look good as a nation, you do it. So if foreigners are in the country, you treat them really well, like the Chinese will treat you really well, and, and they'll take care of you. They'll bend over backwards to show you hospitality because they want China to look good. Um, he said even the worst of the worst, the worst of the worst even typically won't mess with you if you're a foreigner. They take care of you because they want you to see how good their country is. 
the Chinese will take care of you if you're a foreigner because they want you to see how good their country is. I don't think this is just a, a Chinese culture thing, though. I think we all have that to some extent, right? Like, um, we, we all want people to think well of us individually. We want people to think well of our, our family. We want people to believe that we're good, we're nice, we're decent, we're trustworthy. Like, we all have that to some extent. But what about, what about the church? Do we think about that? Do we think about that, like, as far as the church is concerned? Are we concerned with how people perceive the church? Are we concerned about the reputation of the church to the outside world? Should we be concerned about the reputation of the church to the outside world? Do, should we care how they perceive us? I think we should. Um, but today I want to look at the Bible and see what the Bible has to say about that. I want to dig into what the scriptures have to say. But first, will you pray with me this morning? Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for Oh, this day, this is the day you've made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. And we pray, God, that your word would pierce our hearts, pierce our souls today, and, and uh, change us from the inside out. I want to know your truth, God. Reveal it to us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Um, like I said a few minutes ago, there's over 1,200 references to serving in Scripture. I want to look at a few of those, those references today. These are the foundation Scriptures I've been using throughout this series. Luke chapter 9, verse 48, these are the words of Jesus. He says, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes my, also welcomes my Father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. And then the mirror verse for that in Mark chapter 9, verse 35, it says, He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone. And remember, Jesus said these, these he made these statements after many, many instances of him serving other people. And if we look at Matthew chapter 23, verse 12, this is Jesus talking to religious leaders, the religious elite who think they're a big deal. This is what he says. Whoever makes himself high will be made low, and whoever makes himself low will be made high. And then again, the, I've been calling this the smoking gun verse for our series. Mark chapter 10, verses 43 through 45. This is, again, the words of Jesus. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For this, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. And like I said throughout this series, this, Jesus is trying to shift the perspective of what we believe to be great, what we believe greatness is. And greatness in the kingdom of God is the opposite of greatness in the world. The world says if you're going to be great, you've got to be the most important. But Jesus says if you're going to be great, make yourself the least. The world says, if, if you're going to be great, then you got to think of yourself first. But Jesus says, if you want to be great, become the last. The world says, if you want to be great, then you got to put yourself up high. you got to make yourself into a high position. Jesus says, if you want to be great, make yourself the lowest among everybody. In the first week of our series, we discussed that we are called to servanthood. If, if you call yourself a Christ follower... It's, it's you are a servant. It is in your DNA. It is who we are to be servants, to serve. And week two, we began to discuss who we're called to serve. And we learned in week two that our family is our first ministry. It starts at home. Serving your family is where it starts, but it doesn't end there. In, in week three, we learned that everyone has a role to play in the service, in the service of, of the, the church, right? In the ministry of the church, 
And today, as we conclude our least last lowest, lowest series, I want to unpack our final topic for discussion. And this is our final topic. Serving reveals the father to the orphan. Serving reveals the father to the orphan. First, I need to lay some groundwork. I need to clarify some things. If um, before Jesus, without Jesus, outside of Jesus, we are all fatherless, spiritually speaking. We are orphans in the kingdom of, of darkness. But the moment we say yes to Jesus and the moment we put our faith and trust in him, we are adopted into God's kingdom and we become heirs to, to all the goodness of God, right? But outside of that, we are orphans of the kingdom of darkness. Um, John chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So the moment, again, the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are a child of God. But until that moment, you are an orphan in the kingdom of darkness. Now, um, notice I said put your faith and trust in him. I didn't say when you go to church. I didn't say when you read your Bible, when you pray. I said when you put your faith and trust in God. When you put your faith and trust as G in Jesus as the Son of God, that's when we're adopted from darkness into God's kingdom. But until then, we're all orphans in the kingdom of darkness. So um, I'm, we're going to read a, a portion of scripture out of the, the Gospel of John in just a moment. But before we read that, I want to set the stage for you. So um, here, here's the stage. It's almost Passover in Jerusalem, circa the year 27 AD. And Jews from all over the known world are making a trek to Jerusalem so that they can worship and observe Passover at the temple. Um, and in Jerusalem, uh, normal temple operations are, are happening every day. And, and really quickly, I want to show you uh, a layout of the temple uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, now, I promise this will make sense, and I promise it will matter. So please stick with me. Don't check out. I promise. So put up that. Okay, there it is. And um, I'm going full teacher mode today. I have a little laser pointer. Um, so the temple is where the presence of God resided. And the presence of God rested on the Ark of the Covenant found right here in the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies once a year. And only the high priest could make an atoning sacrifice for the sin of Israel once a year. And the high priest was the highest office in Israel. There was no one, no one I guess, more um, important. Important, important is not the right word, but there was no one higher um, than, than the high priest. And he would enter the Holy of Holies, and that's where he would do sacrifice and worship. Outside of the Holy of Holies, in the holy place, you see the court of the priests right here. And it goes all the way around here. And this is where all the other normal priests would come, and they would worship, and they would offer secondary sacrifices on this altar right here. And all the priests who weren't high priests, they would come in, into that space, and they would worship there. Now, if you look just outside of the court of the priests, like right here, you see the court of Israel, right? Right here. This is where all the men of Israel who weren't priests could come, and they could uh, offer sacrifices, and they would worship. Uh, and... Yeah, so all, all the men of Israel could enter there and worship there. Now look over here. This is the court of women, and you guessed it. This is all, where all the Jewish women could come and enter and worship and offer sacrifices. Um, now, women are, were more valued in Jewish culture than other cultures in the world, but women were still seen kind of as second-class citizens. And so they weren't allowed to get as close as the men were allowed, but they were, still, um, but they were still able to offer sacrifices and worship there. And lastly, lastly, we have the court of the Gentiles, and that's everything 
out here, the court of the Gentiles. And the court of the Gentiles is where anybody could enter. Non-Jewish people, foreigners, they could all enter. If, if you were curious about this God of Israel, you could come to the court of the Gentiles and you could um, listen to the word of God being taught and you could watch sacrifices being made to God and you could learn about God. They didn't have complete access. They had the furthest access away from everyone else, but they still had access to the temple to worship. They could learn about God's word and learn to worship him. It was supposed to be like an ongoing Billy Graham crusade kind of, um, welcoming lost people into relationship with God. So that's the construction of the temple. And now I want to look at a chunk of scripture that kind of ties this all together. Uh, The Gospel of John, chapter 2, starting in verse 13. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, right? I said that, Passover's coming. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers' coins all over the floor, and turned over the tables. Then, going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. So Jesus enters the temple, right? Um, if you could put the, the temple picture back up for me for just a second, I'm throwing them a curveball. So the outer walls of the temple are like here. The entrance to get in the temple is here. So Jesus walks into the temple and what's the first thing he sees? The outer courts the court of the Gentiles. And and what does it say he sees in the outer courts? Merchants selling cattle, selling sheep, selling uh, doves. And he sees money changers exchanging foreign currency and all that. Um, And then it says that Jesus went away and he made a whip. He came back and he drove them all out. Think about that. Think think about how long it takes to make a whip. Like he he kind of let let everything kind of stew while he's making, I'll teach these, you know, that kind of thing. Um, He comes back with the whip, drives them all out, and he says, stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Is this an overreaction by Jesus? Why is he so bent out of shape? Why, like, what set Jesus off? The not so obvious answer is that the self-absorption of lazy worshipers and greedy businessmen was denying, um, was denying outsiders an opportunity to know and love God. Laziness and greed was denying people who didn't know God the opportunity to know him. Jesus' anger was against religious people who had forgotten that worship was about God. And worship to God is intended as an evangelistic demonstration of God's love and mercy for those who don't know him yet. The worshipers in Jesus' day, like many worshipers of every age, had become Religious consumers seeking to be served. The worshipers of Jesus' day, like, worship, like worshipers of any, any day, had become religious consumers seeking to be served. They were completely obsessed with their own agendas, their own comfort. Worship is about sacrifice. Worship is about service. And many of the worshipers simply do not understand that fact. So answering our question from a few moments ago, should we care what the outside thinks about the church? Absolutely we should. Because the church reveals God to the lost. We reveal the Father to the orphan. We we represent God to the world. 
And, and, and God is trying to draw all people to himself through the church. And the way we do that is by serving because serving reveals the father to the orphan. To add insult to injury in this, in this portion of scripture, uh, the merchants that were selling the cattle, the sheep, the doves, they were greatly overcharging. They were greatly overcharging the Gentiles, like ripping them off to the point where they had no money. They were broke. Also, that they could get these sacrifices so that they could learn to worship God. Like, does that sound like service? Ripping off people who are exploring faith in God? Doesn't sound like service to me. And the dealers who were exchanging money, they were ripping off the foreigners. The exchange rate was so out of whack, it was so great, again, that they were leaving these people with no money. What was Jesus upset about? Israel had an opportunity to reveal God to lost people and they didn't take the chance. They didn't take it. That's what Jesus was upset about. Israel had a chance to show the lost people the heart of their heavenly father and they didn't take it. Jesus is upset because serving reveals the father to the orphan and the orphans weren't able to see the father. What we just learned is why reflecting is one of our core values. Growing, learning, giving, reflecting, serving. Reflecting is one of our core values, and it comes straight from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, which says this. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. The whole reason we're here is to be like God, is to reflect God to a hurting and broken world. The whole reason we're here is to reflect God's love and mercy and grace to people who aren't found in it yet. That's the whole reason we're here, to be like him. We reflect him to the lost by serving because serving reveals the father to the orphan. When I think about this, I think of uh, Mother Teresa. Uh, Mother Teresa is an Albanian-born Catholic nun. And at 19 years old, she left everything she knew, moved to India to serve the lost people of India. And, and she didn't, like, go to do crusades, and she didn't, like, preach messages. She lived in the slums of Calcutta, the lowest, most desolate places to serve poor people, to serve sick and diseased people, to serve down-and-out people, to serve marginalized people, to serve overlooked people. She spent her life serving the lost because she understood what Jesus understood. And she understood what we need to understand, that serving reveals the father to the orphan. At the beginning of Mother Teresa's ministry, she had no income. She had no financial support from, like, her home church. She would beg people for food, not for her She would beg people for food so she could feed hungry people. She would beg people for supplies so she could uh, care for sick and infirmed people. She was willing to beg so she could serve the lost because she understood what Jesus understood, understood. Serving reveals the heart of the father to the orphan. Um. My house sits on a half-acre lot, and it's got a gigantic yard, and it's the biggest yard I've ever had. And it's funny, when, when we first moved here and we had to cut our grass, we thought, oh, we'll use our push mower that wasn't, like, self-propelled. And I'm like, yeah, it'll be good exercise, right? Well, after, like, 10 minutes of huffing and puffing, we're like, this isn't going to work. So I bought myself a zero-turn lawnmower, and I'm able to, like, breeze through cutting my grass now in, like, less than 30 minutes. Well, I thought to myself, like, 
well, I have this zero-turn lawnmower, and I don't want to just keep it to myself. How can I use it to serve? And next door, we had a lady who's a single mom, and she mentioned to us before, like, that she spent, like, close to $200 a month to have her lawn mowed because she couldn't do it and her kids couldn't do it. So she, you know, paid the money to have it done. And I thought to myself, like, like I know, like, that for a single parent with a one-income house, like, money can be tight a lot. So, like, this could be a way for me to serve this mom. And so I went to her one day and I said, why don't you let me... Why don't you let me mow your grass? I'll save you some money. And she was like, floor taken back. Like, oh, like, can I pay you to do it? I'm like, no, you don't have to pay me. Like, I didn't have to think about that. I was like, no, don't pay me. I want, I just, I want to do it. And so she's like, okay. And so I, I, um, motor grass and like that kind of, and she was just so grateful all the time, like would tell me how good it looked, even though like I'm just cutting grass, you know, whatever. and so, but she was very grateful and, um, and I, I did this. I, I wanted to do this. I wanted to serve her in that small of a way because I'm convinced that serving reveals the father to the orphan. I didn't know her relationship with God or if she even had a relationship with God, what she believed about God. But I just knew, like, if she doesn't know Jesus, this could be an opportunity for her to see him in me to serve this way. And so, I mean, she knew I was a pastor, and I'd invited her to church uh, many occasions. But those were just words, right? I wanted to show her the heart of my father. I wanted to show her so that she could see the God that I follow because serving reveals the father to the orphan. So she ended up moving away and um, I actually ended up getting two new neighbors on either side of me. Um, and the first conversations I had with them was, let me mow your grass, save you some money every month. And they did the same thing that this uh, other lady did. Let me pay you. And immediately, no, you're not going to pay me. I want to do it. And they're like, okay, you know, whatever. And so um, now every week I mow three lawns every Saturday. Um, it's about an acre and a half. What does it cost me? cost me less than two hours a week. It cost me about $20 a month in gas. That's it. That's it. And when, when I was having conversations with Robin about doing this, um, for our, our neighbors, she would ask, like, why don't, you, why don't you at least let them pay you for the gas? And, and to me, I'm like, no, I don't want that. I, I don't want that. I want this, this kind of, like, this kind of serving should cost me something. It should cost me something because serving is a sacrifice. If, if they have to pay for it, it's not really serving. It's just a, a, a <laughs> we're just, it's just a transaction, right? Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm just like a, a lawn service to them. But I want to, I wanted them to, to see Jesus through me. So I, I, I wanted to then, I wanted to serve them at cost to me. Serving reveals the father to the orphan. And you might say, well, Pastor Ryan, why don't you just let them pay you? Why don't you just let them give you some gas money? Because you're still saving them a ton of money, and you're saving them the time to do it themselves. Like, that's still serving if you're saving them, you know. Like, I don't want to look anything like the world. I don't want to look anything like the world. Like, I, I, like other people can say, oh, this would be a side hustle for me, and, and this would be a way that I can make some extra money for me. And there's nothing wrong with side hustles. I'm not saying that. There's nothing wrong with side businesses. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying for me personally, I didn't want to take any money from anyone that I'm serving in that way because I want to be as different from the world as I can be so they can see my heavenly father. And I don't tell you this story to like pat myself on the back or make me look good or be like, oh, look at me, you should be like me. I'm just giving you an example of, of what, what serving the lost can look like 
what it looks like in my life and what it could possibly look like in your life. I never want my neighbors to feel indebted to me. That's why I don't ask them for money. I never want my neighbors to feel like I owe them something or like they owe me something. That's why I don't ask them for money. I want them to, to know God like I know God. Extravagantly generous and never asks for repayment. That's the God that I know. I want them to know, to know that God. And so I serve because serving reveals the father to the orphan. Maybe you aren't able to mow your, gra- your neighbor's grass. We can do something. We can do something. And, and I, I chose my neighbors because they're the closest to me geographically, right? Like, I, like, they're right there, and I can interact with them every single day. And so why not? You might not be able to do what I do to serve, but you can do something. And I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to find something you can do to serve the lost around you because serving reveals a father to the orphan. Worship team, you can come back uh, to the platform. Um, We can see this playing out in the book of Daniel. In the Old Testament book of Daniel, uh, Israel has been taken captive to Babylon, and the Israelites have become slaves, and all of their work is to advance the kingdom of Babylon. They are slaves to to Babylon and and the kingdom of Babylon. And um, there's one guy I want to highlight right now that embodies what I've been talking about. And that guy is Daniel, the prophet Daniel. Uh, Daniel chapter 6, verse 2 and 4, it says this, the king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability... The king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Verse 4, he was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Daniel did his work exceptionally well. Daniel served in his role to the king of Babylon exceptionally well. So well that he differentiated himself from all of his peers. He stood out amongst everybody. He served so well that he developed the reputation of being faithful, all, um, being faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. He, he did such a good do- job of distinguishing himself that all the other administrators, like his peers, got jealous, and they conspired to kill him, and they got him thrown into a lion's den to be ripped apart by lions. And God protected him and saved him from those lions, and I want to see what happened next. Daniel chapter 6, verse 25 through 27. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race. So, so King Darius, the king of the, the Babylonian kingdom, he sees that Daniel was going to be put to death, and then he didn't die. He wasn't touched by the lions at all. Like God saved him, and this is what Darius said. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, For he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. This king, Darius, was a pagan. He didn't know God. He he was a, a, um, a polytheist who worshiped many, many gods, and he didn't, he didn't believe that Daniel's God was the true God. And through Daniel's service, like ultimately it was through Daniel serving well that King Darius was able to see 
God, that God is the supreme. Because if Daniel hadn't served well, he would have never made those administrators jealous and they would never conspire to kill him. And then God would have never been able to save him, right? So it was essentially, like if you connect those dots, it's through Daniel's service that King Darius, this pagan king, was able to see God. And he was able to tell his entire kingdom, this is the real God. This is the real God. He's, he's the powerful one. And that, this is the goal. This is the entire goal of all of this, is to re- reveal God to a hurting and broken world. Doesn't know him. Doesn't know that, that there's grace waiting for them. That doesn't know that he's full of mercy and love. That's the whole goal of all of this. Could you imagine, imagine for a second, the impact you could have on the kingdom of God if you took this seriously. If you really believed this, right, that serving reveals the father to the orphan, you really believed it, you really took it seriously, you really implemented it in your life, what impact could you have for the kingdom of God in Milford, in Harrington, in Milton, in Dover, in Georgetown? Well, like, what impact could you have for the kingdom of God in this community if you took this seriously? What if you could really rescue people from the kingdom of darkness by showing them the heavenly father through your acts of service? What if? What if? You and I are called to servanthood. It's in our DNA. It's who we are. You want to see your family thrive? Serve. Become the least. You want to see the church grow? Serve. Make yourself last. You want to see lost people come to put hope and trust and faith in Jesus? Serve. Become the lowest. Jesus didn't come to serve or come to be served. He came to serve, and we are called to be like him. We're here to serve. Least, last, lowest. Let me pray for you this morning. God, we thank you. We thank you for... um, this day, we thank you for the call to be servants, the call to be like you in service. This is a tough one, God, because it, it goes against every it goes against every desire to to take care of me first. It goes against every desire to make myself the highest. It goes against every desire to make myself the most important. But I want to be like you. So, Holy Spirit, I need your help. Holy Spirit, we need your help to live this lifestyle of being the least, the last, the lowest, this, this lifestyle of serving. We can't do it without you. So today, God, we ask for your help we, and we submit to you. We say, here's our life, have your way. Continue to teach us how to serve more like you. We love you, God, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. What I want to do right now is I want to take just a couple minutes and I want us to respond to the word of God this morning. I don't want us to rush through this moment. I don't want, I'm going to ask that nobody leave just yet. Um, Let's not, again, rush through this moment. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to do some work inside of us this morning. Um, So the worship team is going to play a song. You can sing the song with them if you want. You can take some time and pray. You can meditate over what what we just heard, over the word we just heard today. Um, 
You can stand, you can sit, but um, yeah, take just a couple minutes and let's respond to the word of God this morning. Worship team, lead us. God, thank you. Thank you for the call to be like you, the call to serve those around us, the call to serve our families, the call to serve the church, the call to serve the lost, the forgotten, the broken. Thank you. I pray, God, today for anybody who might be um, struggling with how, how do I start this? How do I, how do I make this a lifestyle? Like any questions, any reservations, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, first of all, bring peace. That you would make it clear that it doesn't have to be something extravagant. It could be the smallest, the smallest act of service. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for giving us the privilege of being like you and helping reveal you to the lost, helping reveal the Father to the orphan. Thank you. Um, before we're dismissed, I, I want to give just a couple of next steps. And these next steps are just tangible things we can do to take the message that we heard today and apply them to our life sometime this week. So the first one is this. This week I'll memorize Mark 10:45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. We are called to be like Jesus, and Jesus came to serve. That means we are called to be servants. The second one. This week I will look for an opportunity to serve someone in my life who may not know God. Don't assume that you know who's right with God and who's not. Take, take every opportunity you can to serve those around you because it might just reveal the Father to them. And then this week, I'll invite someone to join me for our brand new series, Parables of the Kingdom of God. Next week, we're kicking off a series where we're going to walk through all the parables in the New Testament of the kingdom of God, and I'm really excited about it. So um, invite a friend to come with you. Invite a family member. Um, it's going to be... It's going to be a wild ride, I think, because the parables are, are crazy. So um, let me say one last prayer, and then we can be dismissed today. God, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to come and worship you today. Um, help us. Help us to be more like you. Teach us what it means to serve the way Jesus did. We love you, God. And finally, may you now go in peace, filled with the light of life. May you go now in power, filled with the Holy Spirit. May you go now to love and serve as Christ did. Amen and amen. Thanks for coming, everyone. Uh, thanks for worshiping with us today. We will see you next week. Have a great week.